Hey, this is the Thrive Church Podcast. Our hope is this message will help you thrive with God and thrive in life. We'd love to have you join us on a Sunday soon. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome. I am so glad you are here at Thrive Church. Listen, I believe that God has got a now word for you that I believe will speak right to your heart. Before we get into the word, I just want to pray real quick. Father, we just thank you that you love us so much. Father, I thank you for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Father, I thank you that you would speak right to hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I have a question for you. Has there ever been something that has taken your breath away or something that's made you speechless or maybe something that has made you say, how do I respond? You know, has there been a moment in your life where you've been speechless? Now I pause there because uh, like for husbands, for you to nudge your wife and say, yeah, when you walked down the aisle, Uh, sorry if I pointed out and you didn't do it. Um, but has there been something that's taken your breath away, maybe climbing up a mountain and you see the beautiful Rockies and it just takes your breath away? Or maybe there was something that made you ask, how do I respond? I think when there are things that, that cause us to ask that question, how do I respond? It's when something speaks right to our core and touches the very heart and gets through all the fluff, through all the defenses and speaks right to who you are, the need that you are and is truly touches you. You know, it it can be something that speaks um, to the brokenness, hurting, or even a longing that is within us. You know, this very thing happened to me earlier this year that spoke to my heart a hurt, a brokenness that was within me. So earlier this year, my wife and I, we were expecting a baby. And at the end of, of March, we, there were some, some things that the doctor said, okay, we got to watch this. And we found out at the end of March this year that we had a miscarriage. The, the baby was, the baby died. And Man, I was devastated. I was hurt and I was broken. And this is just when like the whole pandemic started and like the pandemic was like secondary to the hurt, the brokenness that I felt. And very few people knew that we were pregnant, but a friend of mine uh, in the States, uh, in Mississippi, I'd messaged him when we found out, okay, there's some things that aren't looking so good. I messaged, hey, could you be praying? And so he was praying with us. And so I messaged him and I, uh, when we learned about the baby uh, and the miscarriage and, and I messaged him and he wrote a text back. And the first part of it was, hey, I would call you, but I want to give time for you and space for you and your wife. But then it was a text that just like, it was a scrolling text where you just kept going and going and going. And I'll tell you this, is that text, those words, it spoke right to my heart. It spoke right to my pain. It spoke right to my, my spirit. And I, I, I'm so thankful for that friend, but not only that, but God used those words to speak right to my heart, right to my hurt, right to my brokenness. And the thought came up within me, how 
do I respond? One, how do I respond to this text that just really just ministered right to me? But not only that, how do I respond to God who right in the midst of my brokenness, right in the midst of my hurting, right in the midst of where I am just broken. He God just hit that right there, right? He saw me and those words went right past all the fluff and just went right to the heart. Has there ever been a time where you've said in your life, how do I respond? If you're looking for a title of today's message, it is, how do I respond? You know, in the Bible, there's a story of Jesus. When he gets through the fluff, through the, the defenses or the, the outer layer, and actually speaks to someone right to their heart, right to their core, right to their pain, and sees them. You know, in John 4, we see Jesus, he's leaving Judea, and he's going to Galilee. And he's going through Samaria. He doesn't have to go. If you look on a map, it doesn't make sense to go through Samaria. But Jesus, there's a divine appointment. So Jesus, his disciples, they go to Samaria. And Jesus sends his disciples into this village to get some food. And Jesus, he's, the Bible says he's worn out. He's tired from his journey. So he sits down by a well. And this is where we're going to pick up um, Pick up this story where Jesus, he speaks right to the need, speaks right to the heart, and right to where I see you. In uh, John 4, in verse 6, it says, Wearied from his long journey, he sat down on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already noon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, but Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Now, right here, right then, when Jesus said that, uh, Jew Jews and Samaritans, they didn't like each other. There was actually where Jews, they, they saw them as less than. So it was not something that was common at all for a Jewish man to talk to a Samaritan, let alone a Samaritan woman. You just didn't talk to women in that time as well. And so right here, you see actually Jesus, he's breaking down like racial barriers, gender barriers, but he's... He, so this Samaritan woman, she sees this as very strange. He says, give me a drink. Now it continues this way. It says, Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The, when the woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Fair question. Where's your bucket? Um, do you really think that you are greater than the ancestors, Jacob, who dug this well and drank uh, for or from it himself, along with his children and all livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if you, if anyone drinks of the living water, I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit uh, springing up and flooding you with endless life. 
The woman replied, let me drink that water so I will never be thirsty again and I won't have to come back to draw water. So I won't have to come back and draw water. So right here we see Jesus. He's speaking to the need of this woman that he sees a a physical need of like, I'm thirsty. He's speaking to that. But then he actually doesn't, he's not just speaking to a, a physical drinking, but he's speaking to a thirst in this woman that is actually even deeper. And that's actually in every single person. Every single person has this. There is a thirst that cannot be quenched by anything else. You can try everything else, but there is a thirst within every single person, whether you identify it or not, it is there. And that is the thirst that he's talking about is a relationship with God. He's talking here about salvation and the Holy Spirit. Now he continues on. Jesus goes on in verse 16 and he said, Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married. The woman answers. That's true. Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You've told the truth. So right here, I see it as not Jesus condemning at all, but that Jesus is speaking right to her. He's speaking right to the heart of this woman Seeing her past and speaking right to it. Speaking to the core, the heart issue of this woman. The pain that this woman may have. The shame of of all those relationships. All those failed relationships. The baggage, the hurt. And you can tell that when Jesus is is touching, going right to the heart, the heart issue. Because she's trying to quench a thirst in her in different ways. You can tell she gets uncomfortable. Because she suddenly changes the subject to something just random out of the blue. She changes it to a, something that is religious, a religious thing. She says, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me this, why do our fathers worship here? Worship God here on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship what is right. So she is, is just completely, she's trying to like, you know, squirrel Jesus, right? Like, look over here. Don't touch this area of my heart. Like, look somewhere else. Why don't let's talk about some surface thing. Don't talk about what's going on in my heart. But then uh, Jesus cuts through that. He cuts through that. It goes on and he goes on with this. He says, Jesus responds, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the father on the mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience for it is from the Jews that salvation is made available. For here, from here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is spirit and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. The woman said, this is all so confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us uh, everything we need. So she's looking as well for the Messiah. 
Now check this out. Jesus says in verse 26, Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. I am the one you are looking for. So Jesus, right here, he cuts through, in this, in this account, Jesus cuts through the fluff, the, the diversion that the woman's trying to, like, look over here. And instead, he speaks right to her heart, right to the hurt that she's carrying, right to her very core. Jesus speaks to the physical need of water, but then speaks to the longing that every single person has, the living water or relationship with God. And then he speaks to her heart, the hurt, the past, even shame. And I'll tell you the truth. If I was in that woman's position, I would ask this, how do I respond? How do I respond to this? Now, how does the woman go and respond? She then, the disciples come back. She leaves. She just leaves her jugs there and she leaves. Her water jugs are there. She's going to the the village. And then what happens is she tells everybody in the village, come see a man who told me everything about me. Come see a man who told me everything, told me everything. And then the town, they come out, they see Jesus, they believe. It's amazing. But her life and her actions became about One, the one that it became about Jesus, became about Jesus. In this account, I think we see Jesus. He's loving. He's caring. We see the character of God for someone who is hurting, who is broken. That God ministers right to our heart right to our spirit, the hurts that we may have, the very core and that longing that every single person has inside of us for living water, uh, for a relationship with God. We see who God is in this, that he loves. But not only do we see that, but I believe in this story, we see Jesus, who God is, his character. But I think we also see you, And I, in this story, as the woman at the well. Because in a way, we've all been married five times to our five senses to quench the thirst that is in every single person. We try and do that through our five senses, trying to quench the the thirst that we have through something that we can taste, something that we can touch, something that we can hear, something we can smell, something that we can see. And yet, like that woman, it didn't quench the thirst. It won't quench the thirst. And then that, the woman, she was uh, now with a six man. And the six in the Bible, really, it represents uh, the number for, for humanity or because uh, on the sixth day, God created man. And throughout the Bible, you'll see the six represents that. And it can speak to the fallen, to, to fallen humanity, representative fallen, human, fallen humanity. So we try to do it on our own, live on our own, do like just try and satisfy it on our own, but we can't. But it is the seventh man in this woman's life, the perfect man, God in flesh, 
then, uh, who then speaks to our core of uh, the longing that we have right to our hearts. He sees you. He knows you. He speaks to beyond all the fluff right to who you are and he brings healing to our hearts. As it says in John 4, 26, I am the one you are looking for. I am the one you are looking for, Jesus says. Jesus is the only one who will satisfy. Jesus is the only one who will satisfy. He's the only one who will quench the thirst that every single person has in them and in their spirit. It can't be quenched with those, with our five senses, anything that we can touch, feel, taste, all that stuff. It is only Jesus. And just like that woman at the well, she has a past. She has hurts. You know, we all have a past. We have hurts. We have life that we're going through and we're dealing with. But just like the woman at the well, Jesus, he cuts through the facade he cuts through the, the junk and he goes right to the core. He goes right to the core to bring fulfillment for the longing that every single person has. Healing to the brokenhearted. He cuts right to the core for you today to bring living water. And at times, I think we can do just like what that woman did at the well. Of throw things out that don't necessarily matter. Why? Because we are not comfortable with, with Jesus, with God touching those areas of our life. Why? Because nothing else has ever touched those areas of our life truly or seen those areas or met those areas. So it can come up, how do I respond I think oftentimes we can respond with surface things to Jesus. We can respond by trying to live a good life, be a good person, behavior modification, or just punch my, my Christian card and get a little stamp on it. But God wants to go deeper than that. He wants to go deeper with you to speak to your very core of who you are. To speak to your heart, your spirit, to quench the thirst that is in every single person and that so that you would now no longer thirst, that you would be quenched by him. Why? Why does he do this? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Jesus loved that woman at the well. That's why he went to Samaria. And Jesus loves you. In Romans 8, 38, 39, it talks about the love of God that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He loves you. This love that Jesus has for you is a love that cannot be separated from you. It is a love that overcomes. It is a love that was the motivation, the catalyst that sent Jesus to the earth for you. He loves you. The Bible says that he loves you. We, he loves you first. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you. This love that he has for you is truly unconditional. Nothing that you can ever experience on earth or from a person or as much as Sparky loves you, you can't experience it. It's only a love, true unconditional love from Jesus. And that's God's love for you. He loves you. And that's why today 
Jesus. He's not going to deal with the fluff or the facade we try and put up. But he wants to deal right with you, right with your heart, to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring times of refreshing, to quench the thirst because he loves you, because he sees you, he knows you, he knows what you need. He doesn't just see the facade and mask you put on, he sees you and he knows you and he knows what you need and it is only in him. And with all this, with a God who knows me, who sees me, who loves me with this unconditional love, this passionate love, this love that overcomes, how do I respond? How do I respond to a God who sees me, who loves me, who, 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 who has everything I need, who knows the most innermost needs? How do I respond? For me, in that moment when I got the text and as God was ministering to me through those words, how do I respond to God who spoke right to my core, right to my heart, right to the midst of my pain? How do I respond? I believe the only response to that is found in that very scripture. In John 4, 23, it says this. It says, from, from here on, let me get it here. John 4. It says, from here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. God longs for people to worship him, for you to worship him in spirit and in truth. The only response to a God who loves you with an unstoppable, unconditional love, who sees you, who knows you, who is the only one who can quench the thirst that is within you, who brings healing to your heart. The only response is this. It's worship. It's to worship God. That's the only fitting response to worship God in spirit and truth. And worship isn't merely just singing songs. But the worship that Jesus is talking about here is a lifestyle of worship that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The worship that Jesus is talking about is only able to be done and lived through the, through the Holy Spirit working through you. So how do I respond to Jesus who loves me, who sees me, who will quench the thirst in me. The only response, the only response, friends, is this. It's worship. A lifestyle of worship that every part of our life is in worship and surrender to him, being empowered by his spirit to turn our attention, our affection towards him in worship. You know, worship is how we get by the fluff, the surface level things and allow God to go deeper and actually reach those areas for him to work on us even more. You know, that woman at the well, 
When Jesus saw her, when he spoke to her, when he spoke right to her, know what her response was? She ran, not because she was afraid. She ran to the, the, the town, the village, the city. She ran there and she instead, she worshiped God and told everybody, listen, come see a man who knows everything. He told me everything. Come see him. He is the Messiah. Her focus, her attention went to her life changed to worshiping him to putting focus on him, to drawing others to him. Worship. You know, there's a song from, you know, the earlier 2000s, and it goes like this. It says, what can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, O God, completely to you. So I'll stand with heart banded in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul surrender. All I am is yours. Surrender in worship. The only response is worship. Today, know Jesus, he loves you. He knows you. He sees you. He truly sees you. And he is the one who will quench the thirst. And how do you respond? By living a life of worship. I want to encourage you today. Man. He is the one you are looking for. He is the one you are looking for. Today. I want to encourage you. Jesus is the one you're looking for. He is the only one who will satisfy the thirst. He knows you. He sees you and he will minister right to your heart and to bring healing and to bring quench the thirst that your spirit is thirsting for. Can I pray with you right now? Father, I thank you, God, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus, your, your son, to die on the cross, rise again so that we can now have a relationship with you, that we can now live a lifestyle of worship. Father, I thank you right now that you are touching people's hearts. Father, that you're going right to the people's core right now of their needs, their hurts, and you're bringing healing. You're bringing restoration and you are quenching the thirst of people in Jesus' name. Hey, I want to encourage you as well. Hey, if you're listening right now and you're, maybe, maybe you're like seeking, you're like, there's something else. There's something missing. Can I tell you what you're looking for? Nothing else will quench it except Jesus. As Jesus said, I am the one you are looking for. Jesus is the one you are looking for. Your spirit is saying, I need Jesus. I encourage you today is your day to make Jesus Lord of your life, to start doing life with him so that your spirit can be quenched. Your thirst can be quenched. If that's you today, you say, Josiah, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. If you're thinking about it, today is your day where you can say, I met Jesus. I met Jesus at a well and he can tell me everything. How do I respond? Respond just by saying this prayer right now. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. 
Thank you for dying, rising again. Thank you that I can have life with you now. Thank you that you've shed your, your love abroad in my heart. Thank you for filling me with your spirit. God, I just invite you to work on my heart. Deal with the pain, the disappointment, the hurt. Father, I thank you that you quench my thirst today with living water. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We'd love to have you join us a Sunday soon. For more information about Thrive Church, you can go to our website, thrivecalgary.ca. See you next time.